everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and I'm here today with the other hosts, uh, Brendan McCullough and Matt Bassa. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing alright, how are you doing? Yeah. I'm doing good. Brent, that didn't sound convincing. <laughs> I mean, could be worse, could be better. I could have a billion dollars, I could have herpes. You know, somewhere in the middle of that. Somewhere in the middle. Well, half a billion dollars is pretty good. Half a billion dollars in uh, gonorrhea. I'll take that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh my god, my one roommate got gonorrhea. It was hilarious. <laughs> That's terrifying. Oh, oh my it god. was great. <laughs> uh, I've never heard of somebody like celebrating over somebody else's STD. That's some really well, terrible Schadenfreude. I I don't even know. <laughs> well, Mark was my roommate, and he found out before I did. So he just came in my room one day. And he's just like, "It was Mark." No, no, no. He found out there was another roommate. <laughs> no, <laughs> I wouldn't can't say. be on the show anymore. Oh nope. man, <laughs> clean your mics. Uh, <laughs> no, but he just came in one day, and he's just like, "Yo, so and so's got gonorrhea," and I immediately just started laughing hysterically. He's like, "Nah, man, we gotta like." He was he's like a borderline hypochondriac. Like he was really worried that you could get it from like using utensils and stuff so he went and got checked and i was just laughing for like a week it was great because <laughs> you know unless you actually have sex with the person you can't get it so i was safe gotcha yeah but i still i agree with mark i'd be all germaphobe about that shit like ooh, he didn't even share a bathroom this. with the guy i shared the bathroom with him so oh, he had man. nothing to worry about well as long as it's only sexually transmitted i guess you're right i mean if you can transmit it through throwing up in the shower together, like, we've done that. I mean, not at the same time, but we've <laughs> each had our turn. All right, well, enough gonorrhea and vomit. <laughs> um, bonding. Yeah, right wow. Back to the show. Um, we do have some kind of exciting news. Like, I'm sure we're going to talk about video games eventually, but Matt, do you want to kind of fill the listeners in on, like, the projects we've been working on behind the scenes? As Well, also, before we do that, let me tell the listeners... We're, we're really working on the story and developing the story of the game. I know you guys probably just don't believe us that we're ever going to put out a game. <laughs> and you're probably almost reasonable in thinking that. But we really are working on a game. But more importantly, managing a podcast, real life, and these other secret projects that we're about to tell you about, it's kind of hard to manage it all. So bear with us. You'll probably have a game to play by Christmas. That's a little optimistic. But this new stuff that we're working on now is actually really exciting and pertinent to the existence of this podcast. So I guess let me just start it off by saying our podcast host, Signal Leaf, is shutting down, which is a pretty big deal for us because we get great rates. Uh, we don't pay that much monthly. I know the creator of Signal Leaf, Derek Bailey. He's a great guy. And it just seems that to him, it got to be too much to handle. So he's just pulling the plug. It was a learning experience. But the sad thing is, for all of us who use his service now are kind of left hanging, and our only real alternatives are services such as Libsyn or Podbean or uh, Blueberry. So there's a few different choices for hosting services, but the majority of them, Libsyn specifically, are kind of expensive. And this is a hobby that we do just for the fun of it. We're not making any money. If anything, we're losing money, but we're oh, doing yes, it... We are. <laughs> yes, we really are. But we're we're doing it for the love of doing it and because we love you guys and we hope that someone out there is laughing, listening to us and enjoying this. So that all being said, Signal Leaf shutting down is kind of a it's kind of a stumbling point because it's like, oh, well, now we have to pay even more to keep this thing alive. Is it worth keeping this podcast alive? 
the answer is definitely yes. We enjoy this this hobby too much to just like put this to an end. So that being said, we're we're in the process of creating our own podcast hosting service, and I'll let Matt uh, discuss a little more about that because he is the the brains behind it all. Yeah. Um, so we're building it. <laughs> <laughs> Full um, of brains. Yeah. It, it. We're sort of in this interesting position where, you know, it, you. It's like one of those movies that you see on the History Channel. Uh, and they're like, oh, you know, Earth's got, you know, two months to live, and this is how we're going to get all the people off the planet, you know? Um, it's like that, except with a podcast and much less urgent. Um, and <laughs> so basically, there's a few things that Signal Leaf does that we really need, right? Like, so fundamentally, we could have like a text file for our RSS feed and put that up somewhere and then manually upload MP3 files, but nobody has time to do that right? Like, it's just absurd. And on top of that, we've got a whole network now. So there's uh, Almost Better in Silence, which you're listening to, Almost Better than Dragons, Press Continue is in the network, though they're not on Signal Leaf. Um, and s- some of our other friends that, that we've made through podcasting are also on Signal Leaf. And so we thought, you know, why not just do it right and build something uh, proper and uh, you know, just just create something cool that other people can use. So uh, we we've been doing that. Um, it's called Podmaster Hosting. Um, I don't know if if Podmaster IO is is a thing you want to talk about. Should I not call it Podmaster Host? Oh, it doesn't really matter. It, that's fine to call it that because it is all eventually going to come out, and okay. you guys are welcome to check. It's a work in progress, so I mean, there's really nothing to check out at this moment. But the idea is we want to be able to offer two core services, that being podcast editing as a service and podcast hosting as a service. And if you want, we'll hopefully be able to provide packages of if you want both or if you just want one or the other. So the idea being the hardest part about having a podcast, if you're ever interested in having your own, is the editing of it all. So for us, for instance, almost but in the silence, we're all... tuning in remotely and depending on how many hosts are tuning in that night, that's how many audio track files I have to sync together and deal with uh, coughing and all the various things that you have to just worry about when it comes to <coughs> editing. Uh, <coughs> this, exactly. God. And it's all staying in just so you guys, <laughs> but regardless, it's, it's a hassle. So I want to be able to provide to people the option to just send me your files. I'll clean it up for you. And the headache is done. You can just focus on getting the content out. And I think that's something a lot of podcasters and groups and networks would really seek. So that's just the one side of this, of this, uh, website. And then the other side would be the hosting aspect, which I feel there is a lot of people that would agree that a lot of these hosting alternatives are rather pricey. And I think we could provide a much cheaper solution and also uh, i don't know how i want to put it but well you know what I, mean. I mean let's just start you know with the pricing so first off libsyn which is sort of the de facto standard is just stupidly expensive for people that are just doing this as a hobby right so their most basic plan is five bucks a month but you get 50 megabytes of monthly storage that means that uh for almost better than dragons we wouldn't even be able to put out one episode a month 
because we would blow past our our hosting, right? That's how this episode alone that we're recording now would probably be somewhere between 40 to 60 megabytes. So I could only put out a single episode, if that, a month for Almost Better Than Silence at the $5 tier. Right. And it's it's just unrealistic. And that's, it like puts a, it screws me over because for instance, I wanted to start a whole nother podcast for the network called Doug Appreciates Music, where I talk about my love of different like bizarre artists and stuff. But if the fact that Signal is shutting down, it's like, oh, am I going to really shell out 20 more dollars on top of the other $20 for Almost Better Than Silence on top of, it's just, it gets ridiculous. So I'm just, I'm super grateful that we're even capable of creating our own solution for us. We can test it that way. Uh, we can have our friends that used to use Signalleaf join our hosting and use them to just kind of fine tune it all and then offer it as a service for others. Yeah. And it, on top of that, you look at some of the other features that are available. And just with the, the basic plan on Libsyn, it's an extra two bucks a month. So you end up paying $7 a month if you just want basic statistics. Th- that's their definition of basic, right? So if you just want to know how many listeners you have, uh, it's going to cost you at least $7 a month. Um, you look at Podbean, and Podbean is a lot more affordable. Um, it starts at three bucks a month. Um, you get 100 megabytes of storage, which again, is really not that great. Um, and on top of that, you get really basic statistics. The design is very limited. And in all honesty, I, I am not a fan of Podbean's designs or layout. You end up with a lot of like weird Times New Roman and strange places. The site is very inflexible. It looks like something that came out of like Drupal or uh, what was that CMS that was really popular in the in the early uh, 2000s. You remember that? I'm trying God, to remember. I can't it. even remember the name. But it, anyway, it looks like it's built off of that. And it, I mean, there's some parts of it that feel modern, but it, like overall, it feels like somebody made a blogger account and just sort of shoved a bunch of podcast stuff in there. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, Podbean's interface was a nightmare. I, I signed us up for just like the free account just to get familiarized with it. And the whole time I was cringing. It's like the interface is definitely aimed for non developers. So no wonder we don't really like it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, even Libsyn and, you know, I, I hope Libsyn doesn't come and like blacklist me or anything for saying this, but <laughs> you know, their interface seriously looks like something out of the nineties. Like everything is in tables. The nothing lines up with anything else. It, it's lots of just very unstyled sans serif font. It, it, it's really just awful and weird and it's not built in an intuitive way. They've put no design resources into improving the interface or, or improving the user experience. And frankly, like we could just do better on our own. Um, so that's what we've been doing. So, uh, Doug, it, I'm assuming you're going to put some screenshots in the, the show notes or, or at least link to them. Um, Definitely. But so we've been putting something together. It, it's built on modern frameworks. Um, and the first thing that we've been doing is focusing on cost, right? So obviously we want to keep the cost down for ourselves. But if we're hosting other folks' podcasts and we want to make it affordable, uh, the idea is that we want to minimize the amount of money that we spend so we can make it less expensive for everybody else. So uh, part of that is offloading some of the more expensive work, like uh, handling uploads and file management and storage off to other services like Amazon and uh, some various analytic services that we're using. Uh, that makes sure that we don't have to worry about keeping our own infrastructure online and maintaining that and 
so on and so forth, and our code remains very thin and lightweight. Um, speaking of which, you can find all of the code for it's fully open source on GitHub um, at github.com slash almostbetternetwork. Um, and we'll definitely include that in the show notes as well. Yeah, so if you guys want to contribute, you're more than welcome to. Um, but on top of that, we're building in all of the features that we use now. So effectively, our, our current goal is feature parity with SignalLeaf. So we've got like 95% of features at the moment. Um, the only thing that's left on my uh, project management board is um, getting podcast categories in there, the iTunes categories. Um, it's just something I overlooked at the beginning. But um, other than that, we have uh, fully-fledged analytics that shows you uh, listener counts, the subscriber counts. Um, you can dive into information per episode, uh, rich editing for all of your episodes, and um, individual cover art per episode, things like that. Uh, so it's it's really quite comprehensive, and, and we've got all of the bells and whistles put together. Um, some things still work in progress, um, but other than that, just... Uh, yeah, given the amount of time, you really banged this one out. I don't even <laughs> get it. it, it it's just, um, a miracle. You are a prodigy, sir. I mean, it, it for what it's worth, like there's not a whole lot to it. You know, it's it's a basic CRUD application, right? Like you you create a podcast, you create episodes, and then really, it there, you know, the the individual listeners don't save anything to the database, right? Like the only thing you have is the analytics, which just goes into the analytics pipeline. You move on with your life. Um, the hardest part, I would say, so far is the piece of code that queries the analytics and turns it into uh, a format that can be displayed as a graph. Um, so you have line graphs and pie charts and things like that and sort of fiddling with the data, um, especially if there's like holes in the data. So for instance, if um, if somebody listened to an episode on a Wednesday and then nobody listened to it on a Thursday and then you know somebody else listened to it on a Friday, um, the analytics server would report only two objects, one for Wednesday, one for Friday, but you still want Thursday to be there just at zero. So um, basically f- figuring that stuff out is is the only hard part, and, and that's been done. So Interesting. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's quite good. Yep. So thought we'd at least fill you guys in on what we've been up to uh, lately. So that's our, our big kind of secret project, not so secret anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You can tell which but, uh, you can tell which one of us is the idiot because as soon as you guys started talking data, I shut the hell up. <laughs> it's okay, Brand. At least you could be uh, one of the, our users and let us know what like what needs to get fixed and stuff. Matt's the brain of the operation. I could be the face of the operation. I'm the pretty <laughs> one anyway. Nice. We'll lose Excellent. customers if you put my face on anything. <laughs> we'll scare them away. But um, all right. Well, enough about that stuff. Uh, have you guys been playing many games lately? I know I just beat one literally before signing on tonight. Have I talked about 80 Days on here? No, but you recommended it to me, and it's pretty fucking awesome. Okay, cool. So I have played through 80 Days a couple times now, and um, the first time I beat it, the second time I didn't beat it, uh, which is I was very disappointed about, and I haven't touched it since. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, it's an amazing game. For those of you that haven't played it, it is a text-based choose-your-own-adventure. Um, it's set in a steampunk 
sort of world and uh the premise of it is that you are the butler so to speak for this english gentleman and you are responsible for helping him fulfill his wager uh to get around the world in 80 days and so um a lot of strategy involved so you have to sort of pick the routes with uh the most direct path and avoid danger um you only have a, a certain amount of money so you have to uh, make sure that you're you're managing your money well and make money along the way um and there's a lot of unexpected sorts of twists and turns that that can happen um i remember the first time i played it I honestly thought I wasn't going to finish the, I, I, I was like, oh, I'm dead. You know, that, that was it. That was a good run. And I just sort of kept pressing through and, and making interesting choices. And, uh, I, it, it, the game completely turned around at like the very last second, which was amazing. Um, it's a very, uh, emotional story. You have to be very present when you're playing it. You can't just sort of, it's definitely not a game that you can just sort of like recline on your couch and shoot zombies or something. Um, you have to be very aware of sort of what's going on in the situation. Um, so certainly not a game for everyone, but holy crap, if you're interested in any sort of, you know, very story based game like that, it, it is, it, it's just a, a great thing to play. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I didn't actually end up beating it. I have to revisit it. I think I got to a point where I was just got annoyed and or either died or, and just never came back. I'm pretty sure this was uh, the game of game of the year t- 2014. Yeah, um, lots of awards. It, it's a really, really amazing game. Uh, if you haven't tried it, you should definitely try it. Nice. How about you, Bren? Have you been playing much? Uh not really. I've been. Uh, I don't know. I want to say surprisingly busy because I still haven't really been doing anything. But I've been like surprisingly away from my computer more often. Um, I think we've talked about Talisman. I've been playing that a bit, and um, I I keep just they're just it's the one of those games where you'll be doing great, and then the whole tide of the game just turns against you, and like <laughs> one character just gets everything in the game, like perfect rolls and every like magical item, and then you're just sitting here with like one gold, and you're just like mumbling under your breath like God, fresh, fresh. So I've I've had to take a break from that for a bit. Um, yep. I started playing Grey Goo, which is uh, not only uh, something you should get checked out by a doctor if you have, but um, <laughs> it's a RTS game, like standard RTS, but you play as humans, um, some alien race from a different dimension, which is cool because they created a new language for them. It's not just dubbed in English, and it's like, you know, why is a parallel alien race, like, you know, speaking in a Brooklyn, New York accent, like, um, but it's very well done, very cinematic, but the real twist of the game is you can play as the Grey Goo, which is an end-of-the-world scenario where uh, nanobots uh, sort of are able to construct whatever they want, like, they're essentially just a liquid, and they're able to solidify what they need to be, and usually this is just, like, the enemy in most games, but you can actually play as them, and it's a real tricky way, like, they're very different to playing a different army that just uses manages our resources a bunch of different ways that are unique in itself so that's that's interesting i haven't gotten too into it yet though so i, I don't feel like i could give a real critique of it 
Okay. Interesting, though. Uh, but I did find, I will say, two indie games I found. One is called Death Bolt, which is done by a guy who did uh, Risk of Rain, which I also have, which is really good, but really tough. Um, Death Bolt is kind of high-paced uh, 2D side-scroller, and it's um, kind of like Hotline Miami, where you just run in, kill these dudes, and get out. Like, And you just die over and over and over again, and you just keep running in trying to do different things. Okay. But all of the guys you kill are dead, but they were drug addicts in their lives. So when they die, they became like zombies. So I think this is supposed to be like some sort of like limbo purgatory, like in between death world. Because the main character has like a big coat and he just has a skull for a head. And it's, I think it's in like beta or like very late forms of alpha. Like it's, like, I didn't even finish the game because you get to, like, level 6 and it just stops because the guy hasn't even finished it. But it's really cool, and I really look forward to seeing how he finishes it. Yeah, it sounds up my alley for sure. And then there's another one I found called Stealth, which I got maybe two minutes into. Because it's a standard, like, top-down stealth game. You're a thief. You're trying to steal artwork and stuff. You gotta hide from security guards. And it's all pretty common knowledge by now that if you're using a keyboard for controls it's WASD for movement right like that's common enough yeah that or the arrows I mean it's uh, one or the other one of those Eh, I I wouldn't even give them the arrow like the arrows are fine if it's like a one-handed game if you need to use two hands you don't use the arrows I was thinking like a like a PC version of like DDR or some dumb shit like that might (laughs) use the arrows Mm, like for two player two player yeah I know two player sure yeah, okay. that's definitely like the second set of controls. The thing about two player though, and reason on one keyboard. I don't want to derail this conversation, but the thing about two player is that the controls have to be really, really simple because your keyboard can only, or most keyboards can only actually have a, a limited number of keys pressed at a time. So ah. if you have like two hands for two players, there's a good chance that like some of those key presses are going to get dropped. Yeah, they're not being registered. Yeah. Oh, wow. You have to buy like a special gaming keyboard in order to have that kind of support. Huh. Well, that's interesting little tidbit. I never knew that, but I did always notice it because I think mine maxes out at like five. Like, there's a game where I had to hold down keys to like hold the character I was moving. Yeah. And I think after the fifth key, like he wouldn't respond anymore. Mm-hmm. That's why my friend was always kicking my ass at computer DDR. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, in the stealth game, the controls are, I believe, Q is left. D is right, S is up, and Z is down. What? And it, like, I'm just contorting my hand, and then, like, a guard comes. I'm like, oh, I'm fucked. Like, I can't even run. I don't know which direction I'm going do in. You, do you still need to use the mouse? Because then, if that was the case, I'd put index finger of my left hand on S, middle finger on Q, and then my other hand would be index finger on X, middle finger on D. But do you need the mouse? Yeah, the mouse is, like, to look around. Oh, what Jesus was X? Christ. Uh, no, Z. Z. So it Z was Q, S, D, and Z. Oh. Yeah. So that's oh. kind of awkward. It's super awkward. That makes no it's sense like no matter how you look at it. I could imagine it, if, if it, it was, was A, S, and then Z, X, and then S was up, Z was down, yeah. A was left, and X was right. Because then it's well, sort I, of like a diamond, you know? Even just interchanging the Q and the A would make more sense. Because then it's just S up, Z down, A right, D... Aren't, uh, D right, A left. I mean, Quop's controls make more sense than this. Like, <laughs> this is 
easily one of the most confusing layouts. And this game too is also not finished. It's I think it's an alpha. And I pray this is just a coding error of some kind and the guy just hmm. messed up. And that's not and actually the, how he intends the game to be. There's no way to change the key bindings? No. I mean, oh my you, God. There's, not, there's no options at all. You can't even change the music level. That's so it's, terrible. You know, it's really early version of the game. Oh my God. I just had a great idea for a game. Let's make a game where there is no instructions at all. Like you're not even given like any kind of clue of what controls there are. And you just have to just blindly start pressing buttons until you start figuring Doug, it out. Nobody is so going like, to buy our game if this is okay, what you suggest. It's not, it's, <laughs> it doesn't have to be bought. It's just for like those adventurous souls that it's just like, and so four could be down. Uh, period could be up. I'll say, uh, <laughs> I'll say two things. One. <laughs> Let's finish the game we planned on making. <laughs> yeah, Two, there's actually quite a few games like that from that LA Game Space Kickstarter I got. There's some that are just, like some of these newer indie games that like one guy has just turned out within a month, like are very, I, I think I even said it on a video recently. They're not really games, they're more of experiences because there's no end point to it. It just keeps going as long as you want it to keep going. So it's just kind of like making you experience the situation. And some of these LA Game Space ones are just, I, I can't remember the exact name of it, but you just drop in and you play as a computer tower, like a PC tower. What? And you're just flying around on this like white noise, like hillscape, like it's all black and white, like fuzz, like just moving constantly. And there's just this loud droning noise, like in your headphones at all times. And the controls are just atrocious. Like, I think it is like that where it's just random keys do random things. And there's no menu, there's no prompt, it doesn't tell you anything. And the first time I played it, I was just like screaming for like two minutes because it was just like a sensory overload. See, if if they don't have a title for that, they should name that Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. <laughs> no, that's a good book. Don't ruin it. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a f- one of the few books I've actually read. Nice, yeah, me too. Uh, let me see if I can find the name of it. Because I think it was like Spiral Sky or something along those lines where it just it didn't make too much sense. And then as soon as I played it, I regretted it and just never looked at it again. Yeah, I like kind of out there games like that. That it is, I guess, more of an experience than a game. Well, there's one game where it was speed dating pugs. That was oh, hot date. Yeah, it's oh my god. It's basically just a speed dating simulator, but instead of people, you're dating pugs. So you just go through all these different conversational uh, patterns with... The the tricky thing is, it's the same pug every time. It doesn't change at all. But like the dialogue <laughs> changes. So I I made a video. I think I put it up on Friday, I think. Or whenever it is, uh, July 3rd. Um, but so I didn't realize it. I just downloaded the game because it looked silly. And then I played it without reading the description of it. So like I think nine minutes into the ten minute video, I realized like, Oh, are, am I speed dating different pugs? Like, cause it just, it's the same dog every time. So I thought it was just a, like, dog with multiple personality disorder or something. Like, <laughs> I, I made it much more complex than it was. Oh, dear God. I, I feel like I have a friend who would probably play that the rest of his life if he could. <laughs> Does your uh, friend need help? Is he a little too into pugs? Yes. <laughs> I mean. Oh, boy. It's weird. I mean, cause it's. Pugs. Pugs are better than drugs, so. <laughs> are they? Uh, I mean, have you seen what pugs were like a hundred years ago and what we've done to them? No. Wait, the pug has evolved? 
it, well, if you want to call it that, I, it's more of a selective breeding to turn them into this borderline loaf of bread with legs. <laughs> but I saw a some article. Of bread with legs. Oh, it's just so squished and just hard to breathe. I saw like an article that actually had a list of like dog, like different dog breeds a hundred years ago, and they show you the effects of selective breeding. And honestly, after seeing what a, a bull terrier looked like a hundred years ago, I have trouble looking at them now. Like they're so deformed and so oh, God. like the pugs have such horrible like uh, nasal passages and can't breathe right. And there's just so many health problems in the result of selective breeding and incest with the same dogs. Like to get the good genes, and it's just like God, we have just fucked up the dog like you know genus or species or whatever yeah we don't have to go down this road (laughs) how about uh oh yeah well i guess one game i played recently well i ended up buying a copy of dark cloud 2 at my local game shop for fucking 30 dollars after we've been talking about how it's been going for like 100 and stuff so i felt pretty good cashing in on that and I started playing it. I only got like 10 minutes in because I didn't have much of an opportunity, but it's really, it's, I can already tell I'm going to love it. I loved the first game so much. And then I just, the game that I beat before coming on air tonight was uh, Beyond Two Souls. I've been talking about it the past couple episodes. This game is fucking ridiculous. I definitely recommend it. Although towards the end, I was like kind of eager. I was like, I just want to see these credits roll because I felt like it was, it was, it was decently long. Um, I don't have, like, an actual amount of time. Like, I don't know where I clocked in at. I'm assuming it was somewhere at, like, 8 to 10 hours, but I could be wrong. So it was good. Oh, yeah. Fucking fantastic. Like, if you enjoyed Heavy Rain, you'll probably enjoy this. I think this is... How do I put it? I think this is better than Heavy Rain in a lot of ways. Uh, the, the thing that I like the most about it is how many unique uh, settings there are throughout the story. It's a very vast story. Like, this girl has seen some shit. So, like, I guess this is semi-spoilers. I don't really think it matters. If you haven't played the game, this should actually just make you more excited to play it. So I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying this. But some of the things you can expect to encounter are living amongst homeless people, uh, the one of which is pregnant, and you have to give birth to her child. And, like, crazy shit like that. So oh you're God. breaking into... You're breaking into... uh a, not a CVS, but like a pharmacy to like get uh, equipment. Then you guys find some abandoned house and you have to give the birth. And then uh, these punk kids try to burn the house down and you have to save everybody's lives. So that, that's just like one instance. And then uh, at another point in her life, she's living amongst these Navajo Indians and they're like cursed by like this entity, which is the whole point of this game is about uh, the main char- main character, Jody having this other soul connected with her as like some kind of, ethereal uh supernatural entity so and she can use this soul to like accomplish things so if she's locked in a room she could use the other soul and tell it to unlock the door for her so that's like in the simplest nature and so you're living amongst these navajo indians and they're cursed and you use your soul in a in different ways to try to help them figure out why they've been cursed so there's that aspect of the story um you're you're uh, eventually inducted into the CIA and have to do a bunch of missions for them. So there's a lot of action packed scenes and things. And then there's a lot of the whole, the way the story is told is along this timeline 
And it's that's the only thing I kind of find annoying is how inconsistent the timeline is. It's just like jumping all over the place throughout the entire game. So like one minute you're a little girl, the next minute like you're a teenager, the next minute you're a little girl again, the next minute you're like old and stuff. So it's pretty all over the place when it comes to that. But I still think it hit all the essential points to telling the story. And I think it also made sense in the way they arranged it so that it'd be suspenseful. And don't get me wrong, there was quite the climax. The way it all kind of built up was phenomenal. I did feel like there are certain people that died in my playthrough that I could have potentially saved, but I'm not sure. It's something I have to go back and either replay or look up online. But for the most part, it wasn't a, a disaster like Heavy Rain was for me the first time. <laughs> it was a, a good, wholesome ending. And I, and it's the, the option you're given at the very end of the game is super unique. And I, uh, this is a spoiler, so if you don't want it ruined, don't listen to this. But you're given the option to either go back to life and continue to live your life or go to the world beyond and live with the people who've died and your loved ones. So that was a really tough one for me. And I'm, I chose beyond because it was the, the titular title. It sounds like you just died though. Like you could go beyond where other people have died or you can stay in the living world. It's like. Well, so you dude, died, right? after, I, I chose death. Yeah. Because honestly, if you had transpired and gone through all the things that, El, well, not Ellen Page, but Jody <laughs> has been, has been through during this game, there had been so many points in her, like there was actual points where she had a knife and she was trying to like kill herself. So like she wanted to die. She was sick of like all this bullshit. Like none of her decisions were ever her own. She was being manipulated and lied to her entire life. So when I was given that option, I'm like, Let's just end it for her own sake. Like, yes, I think she could have found some, like, happiness in life, but I think I gave her the the ending she really wanted. I mean, to be fair, Ellen Page herself has gone through a lot of trauma. She had to theoretically fuck Michael, Sarah, and Juno, which <laughs> would be dramatic for anybody. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think it was just recent... Uh, you or somebody brought it to my attention that she's gay, and I was like, well, then Juno technically never would have happened. <laughs> Lucky her. I, <laughs> this might be weird. I don't like Juno. It. I found well, the I, two main. I characters, did. I found the tr- troubling between the two main characters. Like it seemed very forced their relationship, but just mainly the whole uh, Jason Bateman like relationship with Juno was just super creepy. And I thank you. I, okay, that that was the only thing I was gonna say that I was gonna pl- complain about because that was awkward and just like, oh man, you're like old and have like a wife and now his relationship got ruined. I don't know. Now we're just ruining Juno for people. I, I don't know. Being in love with a teenage girl who is pregnant, like. You're hitting, like, all the worst mm. scenarios here, dude. I don't know. Yeah, and he had a good-looking wife in, like... It's, uh, Jennifer Garner. That's right, yeah. Uh, what's... Oh, Electra. Oh, right. <laughs> well, we don't talk about those times. <laughs> it's called the Dark Period of Marvel, before uh, yeah. Marvel Studios was established. Oh, Jesus. But, um, so yeah, that's what I've been playing lately. I'm eager to get back to Dark Cloud 2, and I'll tell you guys how I feel about it once I get further. I was curious by, um, the game length you said was like 10 hours. You said it was like a pretty decent length for a game. I thought about... Uh, for those th- those types of games. Let's put it that The movie games. Yeah, like I started thinking about it. I was like, ah, I don't know about like that. And I looked at my Steam profile, just what games I played the most. I got Binding of Isaac Rebirth at 133 hours. Binding of Isaac at 120, Payday 2 at 101, and then like a, 
I think the real main story-driven one, like one of those big ones, is oh, Borderlands Two. I got a fifty-one, but like Witcher Two is only at like thirty-six. So like I would consider that pretty long for a story-driven like campaign game. Yeah. Well, that is RPG too. Yeah, you can do a lot, which is great. But I'm looking down at like you know even Life is Strange where I just played and really enjoyed it. That's only seven hours. That's what I'm trying to say. These games that are more episodic or movie esque in feel, they they don't have to be super long, but they give you the options that it has replayability value. Yeah, I just I guess I've never realized how short some of them were because. You know, I guess all the games I really enjoyed were, you know, you could play it over and over again. It had variations. So I've, you know, XCOM, Enemy Unknown, I've played 53 hours, it looks like. Oh, you know what I did just pick up? And I actually wasn't playing. I was actually just watching my girlfriend play. But the South Park Stick of Truth, it's oh, actually really cool. So I've, it's really fun. And yeah, like you said in the one of the recent episodes that it's the best... A cartoon to video game games. It it really is. It, I was looking over at different points at through her playthrough and just being like, I feel like you're watching the show right now. And she's like, I know. I feel like I'm playing the show. So it was really cool. But then again, it is definitely rated M because there's some crazy <laughs> oh, yeah. shit that happens in there. Like I remember I was spacing out for certain parts, like either working on the podcast and then I tune back in and see where she was. And she's on a spaceship and Randy's getting pounded in the ass by like a friggin' like alien probe. So there's some weird shit going on. So don't like, I feel like teenagers or like any young audience, they probably shouldn't really play that. I mean, don't get me wrong. They'll laugh and find it amazingly funny. But, uh, if their parents walk in the room, it's just going to be like, fuck you asshole. And all this like kind of like super foul shit. <laughs> Well, it's interesting with that game in particular is because they've had um, certain scenes, depending on what country it, it was uh, exported to, like censored out. So I know Australia is like very strict and conservative with their games. Like it takes them, I think, a good like six months to get a game that's been released in the U.S. Just because it gets tied up by the government. They have to like go through it and censor anything that's super, I guess, immoral or against whatever they believe. I don't know. Australia's weird. They're surprisingly uh, censor-happy. Um, but there's a scene... I forget exactly what the scene is, but instead of showing the scene, they just put up a slide of a koala crying, and it says, like, in the scene, this, 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 and ha this happens, but we cannot show you that because of whatever reasons. So the developers put in just a picture of a sad koala bear. That's amazing and funny. <laughs> I think they I just I think they changed it depending on what country it is too. I think in like China there's one scene, but it's like a sad panda bear or something. I feel like they just probably in different countries the game's like one hour long then because there's so much controversial shit in there. Like, for instance, like there's all sorts of KKK, Nazi, abortion, like all of those things they touch they t like end up I don't know. It's just, it's really controversial if you ask me. So they're, then again, it is South Park, so they get away with it, but I just still don't understand that. Yeah, I think at one point there are uh, zombie Nazis, and I think in Germany they just put like black sensor bars over all of the swastika stuff. <laughs> yeah, and there's quite a bit. So that's yeah. what I mean. It's like almost like a different game unless you're getting the game in America. <laughs> also, one of my favorite things is you can pick your starting class at the very beginning of the game, you know. You got fighter and wizard and rogue and Jew. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that was coming. That's always so. That's what I mean. It's super offensive. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. My girlfriend's having a blast playing it. I'm sure I'm going to play it when she's done. But I don't know. I 
I love South Park, but I just, I still think they pushed their limits a little bit. I mean, someone's got to. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Don't get me wrong. It's, it, it is very funny. Mm-hmm. I know your girlfriend would be happy because Butters is easily one of the best companion characters in the game. Exactly. Yep. He's super OP, but I love it. Nice. Um, let's see. Do you want to do those, like, one of those discussion topics I had, Doug, like, from, we talked about earlier. Now that we got three people, or? Sure. Uh, I forget what they were, but go, go right ahead. I was thinking about, like, game developers that go, like, the extra mile for their fans. I know of a few of them out there where, um, FTL is kind of a micromanaging sort of space battle game, and it's, uh, top down. You get the bird's eye view of, like, the whole ship, and you have to, you know, have your different crew members controlling the med bay and the piloting and the engines and the shields and all this. Mm-hmm. And it's very tough to like manage your energy output while also being bombarded. So like if they take out your shield, you have to heal, like repair the shield. Then you have to guy fix it. It's very stressful at times. It's, I'm going to say like 70% luck based. Like if you just run into the good ships, like the good scenarios and the bad ones. Um, I highly recommend it. I think it's like less than $10 at full price. So if you get it on sale, it's a steal, but that's a game I enjoyed. Just to begin with, I thought it was very fun, uh, fair price. And then they came out with DLC. And instead of, you know, throwing up DLC for half the price of the game, I logged on one day and it just said updating FTL. And it just, the developers just gave me the DLC for free. Nice. I think, I think it even might have been an early access. And this was a way of rewarding the people who bought early access or, you know, helped them out when they were starting. And this is kind of a, you know, give back to the fans to show that they appreciate their dedication helping them support the game that they built yeah that's a fair way of showing them that they appreciate that it, i think it only makes sense but i i doubt many have done it before them <laughs> no nah, i can't think of anyone else but i definitely know that it's <laughs> it won me over as a pr move because i looked up the company to see if they made any other games but that's i think the first one or at least the first one on steam but i'll be looking out for the next thing they do yeah, I hope other people kind of ad- adopt that mentality because, you know, especially the people that are the early access supporters, they they do deserve some kind of credibility. Whereas for people who backed something like DayZ are just like shooting themselves in the foot. There's been a lot of discussion lately about um, games that end up on Kickstarters and <laughs> from sort of the earliest days of almost better than silence everybody knows my frustrations with uh, goddess and uh, <laughs> that fucking game like it, it, it's so frustrating because sometimes you end up with these games that uh are are kickstarted or steam early accessed and they're amazing right and people look at them and they're like this is going to be a great game and then you know something happens and it goes in a bad direction and you know you're just shit out of luck right like you're out however much it costs you for the game plus you know if it actually does come out and it's broken or whatever it's just like a adding insult to injury so um when when you have games that are really high quality and and sort of do what they're supposed to do like ftl uh that's that's a, a big deal in, in my opinion, and, and those developers should be rewarded. Because too often these days, you end up with games that come out that, you know, were on Kickstarter or something, and they're they're either really bad, like Goddess, or they're unplayable, or they're just a completely different game. And 
the the people that backed it that spent all this money that actually got the game made in many cases um are just sitting there with their thumbs up their asses because what it, what else are you gonna do right like this game just fucked you over like lol so yeah i i would love to see uh, more stuff like that come out um dlc though is, is sort of a point of contention for me like in ftl it i think it's really hard to do dlc wrong uh, there's a lot of games though that really, really frustrate me when they have DLC that it's like, oh, well, you know, if you want to beat the game for real, you have to download this DLC. Or, you know, if, if you want it to not be, you know, virtually impossible, you have to download this DLC to get this OP weapon, you know, and at that point, it's just like you're just mooching your, your players for, you know, more cash than they originally wanted to spend on your game. Well, at that yeah. point, I don't even think it's DLC anymore because DLC is like extra. Like, hey, you liked it so much. Here's a little extra to keep you playing it. Whereas, like stuff yeah. like that is kind of like an MMO where it's pay to win, or like the pre- mm-hmm. uh, uh, what is it, freemium games, like the app games, where it's like technically you can beat this game if you played it every single day for the next seven years, or you could chuck yeah. us ten bucks and we can like beat the game for you. Like it's it's. I don't consider that DLC. I consider that bullshit, and I don't think it should be supported in any way. Yeah, it, it, there, there's so much nonsense that, that comes out these days that it's really unfortunate because there's some games that would be extremely fun and a lot of people would play them, but it's like, oh, now you're timer farming and, you know, you've, you've done all you can do in the 30 seconds you've been playing. Now you either have to wait an hour or pay us, you know, a dollar to be able to continue on with what you wanted to do. Yeah, I think one of the biggest peppies I have is day one DLC where it's oh. the game is released and then it already has DLC with it. It's like, you son of a bitch, you knew you could have put that in the final game. Like you yeah. didn't have to charge the extra 10 bucks. Like that is just a cheap money grab at the lowest form. And it infuriates me to no end. That's really terrible. Any, any company that does that really just the, now I have to say there are examples and um, certainly this is, uh, the exception to the rule, but you end up with some companies that put out DLC either at the time of launch or shortly thereafter, where the DLC basically is a second game, right? And um, uh, what was is it Dishonored? Uh, I know they had yeah, pretty big like DLC bundle. Yeah, so D- Dishonored, uh, there was a. Uh, a DLC bundle that basically let you play as the antagonist. Um, and it was basically a whole nother game. Now I could understand, you know, not bundling that into the original game because, you know, even thematically, yeah. it just doesn't even make sense. Um, I would love to see more stuff like that, but instead you end up with this bullshit where it's like, Oh, you know, if, if you want to be able to jump more than two blocks, you know, you have to download this DLC for the spring shoes and that unlocks a whole bunch of stuff that's already there that you just couldn't see before. I was like, well, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, you're just selling, like, like cracks to your own game, almost. Yeah, I I completely understand when it's, like, cosmetic. Um, Borderlands 2 has a ton of, like, purely cosmetic DLC, which is, like, less than a dollar or maybe two dollars. Yeah, like, and hats and stuff, fine. fine. Go for it. Yeah. But when it's, like, there's something already in the game that you can't use because you haven't purchased some weird DLC... That, yeah. yeah, who gives a shit? But with Borderlands 2, they have some uh, extra DLC that adds just huge, like, 
I bought one. I want to say it was maybe like a a good solid like seven to like ten hours of extra content, like playability. And in Borderlands too, if anyone's played, it's a great. But the content, uh, the DLC I got was the like I don't know the actual name of it, but it was essentially a Dungeons and Dragons uh, DLC where the characters in the game were playing Dungeons and Dragons, and he knew played as their character like in the game. That's pretty great. cool. And it was great because you would overhear them talking, like you'd be running around and then your character would stop not being able to move. And you'd hear the char- the players arguing with the DM and they're like, you know, you can't throw a giant ogre at us. We're level one. We just started. It's like, all right, all right, fine. Like, instead <laughs> it's, uh, you know, pig with a knife and they just change it and like at the second in front of you. And it's great. I love it. And it actually has a sort of really hard, like touching, uh, on, uh, what is it called? The opposite of overarching. Um, Underarking? Underarking? <laughs> sure. I guess we'll just go with that. Uh, story underneath of it, like all the DLC, like there's actually a story to it. It's not just crazy game night for the Borderlands characters. And it's it's good. I would highly recommend it. Nice. Even though I've spent probably over 100 hours on that game, and I've only played it about once, because I just bought so many goddamn copies. Oh. Well, uh, what's up? I was going to say, getting back to what you were talking about earlier, uh, Matt, with the early access, there were a ton of games on um, the Steam sale on early access. Like these games aren't even finished yet, but they're already selling them at half price and stuff. Um, there's one in particular I was really looking forward at was um, Armello, I believe it's called, and it's kind of like a weird like tabletop sort of board game strategy game. Um, I don't really know how to call it. It's you know, it's all based off the hexagon tile board, but it's not quite like yeah. Risk. But it's in a medieval setting with magic and all fantasy and all that. But all the characters are anthropomorphized animals. So you're battling hmm. this like demon crow thing, and there's like a rabbit archer and a bear shaman and like a wolf warrior. And it, it looks like a mix between like, uh, sort of Risk and a card game and like some Redwall. Yeah, Redwall. Like, I don't know how to exactly describe it. <laughs> and I'm really interested in it. And it's only $25 right now, but it's, it's early access. And I'm wondering if they're even, like, of course they intend to keep working on it and the money's going to help them support the final product. But I know plenty of early access games where they've been early access for years and plenty of people have bought it, but nothing has changed. Yeah, I feel like early access, just that phrase alone is like a red flag I mean, on here, when you're here's the considering thing about early buying access. a game. It, unless it's from a very reputable company. It, this is a lesson I've learned the hard way. Unless it's a very reputable company and they already have a functioning prototype with a demo that you can watch and or play, don't waste your time. Just get the game when it comes out. It's going to come out, Right. Like, if it's a game that's good enough to be playable and it's not by, like, some obscure indie dev, it's going to happen, right? It's It frustrates me to no end when I see, like, shit from Sony on Kickstarter. Like, fuck that. Like, Sony has how many millions of dollars to just throw at projects, right? They're going to be fine if they don't get your however many millions of dollars to build this game, right? It's Sony. <laughs> you know what? But now because of Shenmue 3, they got four more million dollars. Yeah, like that, that to me is bullshit. Like they have game development budgets, 
right? And and I don't care what people say, like, oh, it's gauging interest. Fuck gauging interest. You put up a poll, <laughs> right? Like, people will make a change.org yeah. petition. You know, you don't need to raise $4 million on Kickstarter in order to gauge interest, right? You're just Yeah, it's gauging interest while lining earning their money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? You know... Like the, well, the whole yeah. point of people... Kickstarter is not, you know, gauging interest. The whole point of Kickstarter is to let people back something and legitimately get some sort of reward for making something happen. You're not making something happen. You're just being the promotional material for this company and then getting like an action figure or something with your purchase. Like if that's all it is, and... like just buy a bundle at GameStop. Like it's the same thing, you know? Yeah, well, the one interesting thing Bren brought up about the Shenmue Kickstarter or on a previous episode is that that's probably not even going to be all the money to fund that game. No, so they, it is, like you said, they have they have these these budgets for these games, but it's just they're going to keep four million in their pockets while and use the other four million that these people have contributed. Well, no, yeah, they it, said even in the conference that four million was nowhere. Near, like I think they said the first Shenmue was like fifteen million, and that's back on what PlayStation One day, like. It's yeah. nowhere near going to cover the budget. And they said that in the conference. But I don't know why, like, if it's going to be so expensive to make. It's like, you know, why are they like, hey, we're going to build a car. Can you give us, like, ten bucks? And then we'll finish it. It's like, why do I need to pay, like, the small fraction of what the final cost is going to be? Like, it seems like Kickstarter has now just become a promotional tool. Where it's like, hey, look what we're doing. Also, if you want to throw a few bucks our way, that'd be neat, too. Like... It seems like just another media outlet now, and it's not really what it intended to be. Yeah, it's a giant crock of shit, is what it is. It has its applications. Yeah, but, but what you're saying, Matt, like, if it's an early access, like, it's going to come out eventually? I don't know, like, isn't DayZ still an early access, or... That's why I brought it up. Yeah, yeah, it is. There's some games where I think Ark is, like, the new hottest game, and it's like, you're trapped on a planet with, like, you and one other person, and you can, like, train dinosaurs and stuff, and it's like the you know, new hot game right now. Everyone's playing it on Twitch and stuff. And it's an early access. But seeing how well it's doing, it makes me wonder if the devs were just like, well, I guess our game's done. Like, does early access now just give the developers an excuse to just stop working on it and be like, it's an early access. It can be full of bugs. They know what they were doing. Like, they know what they were buying. I think in DayZ's case, the developer himself even said, like, I never promised that this is going to be completed i'm not sure if i'm uh, if i'm right in saying that but i feel like he's like gone gone to the public and said there's a chance this isn't going to get completed but you already said you'd pay for it so that's on you so i have a feeling daisy is one of those games that won't ever be completed and there's if you go to like the reviews on steam it's just like nothing but like terrible review after terrible review of people being like i thought i was paying for something and i never got it that's why I'm like so tempted with this Armello game because it's just like, ah, it looks so good, and it you know is not just uh you know another zombie simulator or another you know survival simulator. It's just kind of like, oh, it's it's a new idea and the art style is amazing and it's interesting. It's like, but it's early access and I don't trust them. Like I've I'm, been hurt before. I'm with, I'm with Matt. Just wait. Uh, it's like it's worth waiting. I don't. I don't. Unless it's like really screams like this must be played and like he said it's like a reputable uh developer i don't see why it's it's only going to be a few more weeks to months at most yeah i mean i guess i could play one of the 30 other games i haven't even started yet <laughs> hey, that's my problem so honestly that's probably your best bet uh, but like ah uh, it looks good 
if anything, I would recommend people checking it out. It is indie, right. so I don't know how reputable the developer is, but it does just look cool as hell. Nice. Um, well, as soon as this fucking parade of motorcycles drives out, <laughs> um, uh, I think that was a pretty good episode, guys. Do you want to play a conversation a game quick, or do you want to wrap things up? Uh, let's wrap things up. I have to get going soon. Okay, yeah, sounds good. Our conversation games always end up being like half an hour long. Yeah, yeah they usually are. Um, well, that being said, I guess uh, we should do some plugs quick. Uh, you could always reach out to us if you enjoy the show. Or we have a Twitter and a Facebook. Our handles ABT Silence. If you want to email us, uh, you can always do that at almostbetterthansilence at gmail.com. Send us suggestions for I Was a Walrus or 10 Questions or anything along those lines. Any games you want to hear us talk about, just get in touch with us, people. Uh, anything you guys have to add before we close up? Uh, you can follow me directly at ABT Brend- or ABTS Brendan. Uh, I've taken over the YouTube channel now, so I'm running that shit. Nice. Nice. Got full control. I'm going to make terrible videos and you guys won't know until someone points them out and it's already too late and i ruin our good name um oh no we have a good name do we (laughs) oh no (laughs) an all right name a meh name it's like like a shrug um and life as an npc i always promote that just well reddit is currently on fire for whatever reason something's going on with their company but life as an npc subreddit's fine and doing just well though my stories aren't so go and upvote me. Nice. And yeah, we'll keep you guys posted with our Podmaster progress and also with the game and all that shit. We really are working hard for you guys, so we'll keep you in in tune. Yeah, and We're certainly we'll, the we'll, keep, money. We'll, <laughs> we'll keep the, the updates flowing with uh, Podmaster hosting. Um, that's going to be coming along, and um, hopefully we'll have a, a public beta soon enough, and you guys will be able to jump in and give us some feedback. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, that's 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 about it. So we'll see you next week. That's Bye. all, folks. See you guys. <laughs> <laughs>